see a lot of white dudes don't normally last in general pot because they start getting extorted for their food or uh, someone gives them a death loss and they don't do anything back. And then next thing you know, they're getting everything taken from them. If the, the person that keeps letting them do it is who they're going to keep doing it to. They take the food, they're going to keep doing it if you keep letting them take the food, right? So yep. that's what I used to get in fights over quite often was being white trying to get all my food and when someone would take something of mine I wasn't gonna have it I would just be like nah I'd just go right to the back you know what I mean like who am I fighting like it's just I'm getting my shit welcome back to the broken home podcast tonight we have Eddie from Talking Time in the Sixth YouTube channel. He's blowing up. How you doing tonight, Eddie? I'm doing great. So you're in Toronto. Tell us yep. about that. What's it like growing up in Toronto, bro? Okay, well, you know, you're from Ontario, so it's a little different talking to you because uh, you're from Canada, which is really cool because, you know, most of the people since I've been doing this have been in the U.S. So yeah. this is really cool working with another Canadian and uh, growing up in Toronto is pretty much like you can imagine. Um, one being one of the only white guys all the time. Uh, it's very multicultural. You got pretty much every kind of race you can think of. But growing up, I had a very small crew of like white dudes that I hung with, and then most of the guys I grew up with were black or uh, Vietnamese. The ones that were like my friends that I grew up with that were real close were like my that I considered my cousins. Um, they were they were white. And uh, my one close friend was Vietnamese. And then I had a couple of close friends that were black. A lot of them have passed on, unfortunately. Uh, I don't have a lot of friends left, um, you know, just from the lifestyle that we were living. And we all come from similar backgrounds, like from housing, where, you know, we all come from like single mothers, more or less, where our parents were split. And just uh, our moms are always trying to like, either work or have too many kids. Some of my friends' mothers had too many kids and they just all running out on the streets or just like my mom, for instance, was always working, trying to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, put food on the table and stuff like that. So she's never home. So it was always like a free-for-all, like have all my friends over, whatever, right? It was like, yeah, come on over to my place, you know, at lunchtime, smoking bongs or whatever in elementary school, sneaking home for lunch in grade seven and stuff like that. Um, then we started watching movies like Belly, me and my friends, and that made us go out and do bad stuff, like breaking into stores and stealing cigarettes. Started like supplying the schools with cigarettes and at a very young age, at like 12 years old, because my parents were never home and all the stuff I went through, all the um, childhood trauma, I would say, led to me just uh, hating the system at a young age because my, my grandma's killer got found not guilty. So right away That's right. at a young age, I hated the system and because um, it made my mom so upset and depressed all the time, you know? And then yeah. the one, she, just dudes that she would date, I would fight and knock some of them out for treating her bad at a young age, just a young teenager, 13, 14, you know? Um, just, and then with the accident with me and my old man, and then my mom's, the one guy that treated her good passed away too in an accident. So it was just so much stuff going on, like, fires and like home invasions and just a bunch of crazy snowball stuff. effect um yeah it's just so much stuff one after another after another by the time i was 10 years old i was just like knew everything about everything you know what i mean and about drugs Too much. About everything my mom and her dude had or it was my mom's dude had got our place rated for like growing plants and like mushrooms and shit so like at a young age i already knew what that was and just stuff like that, right? So we were already like going around looking to try to like find plants and places and backyards, um, certain places that we knew. And like, we were so dumb because we were so young. We freaking cut all the leaves off. You know, that's, <laughs> we were like 10 years old, right? And we thought we got a score and we were freaking got all the leaves and the dude must've came out and been like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> Who trimmed my plants up? <laughs> <laughs> right? Were you an only child, Eddie? Uh, well, on my mom, with my mother. Yeah. Like my dad went on and had a couple more kids, but that was with another woman. Okay. Yeah. I had okay. two more sisters after that, but, um, my, with my mom, it was not much of a bigger family, not much of like my grandparents were both passed on that side. And so my mom's brother moved away to the U S and stuff like that. 
um, after he got out of jail. So it was like, uh, we didn't have much family on my mom's side. My dad's side had like a lot of family because he was the oldest out of eight um, children. But my mm-hmm. grandparents on that side, they're still both alive to this day. So they're the ones that I kind of look up to, you know? So if we take it back, it might be a little bit difficult to speak on, but how close were you with your grandma that had her life taken from her? At that point, it was really close with her. Uh, she had a jewelry store actually on the main street. Like I used to go to her store with her sometimes. My mom worked there. So it was a big hit on our family because um, my mom couldn't keep the store open anymore with people coming in asking about it all the time. Then during the trial and everything like that went on for so long and and so it had a big effect on us because we only lived around the corner from my grandmother. So okay, and how old were you at that time? I was uh, nine, nine years old, and man, and me and my mom up... like founder basically, right? Oh, really? We okay, that that's what I was just gonna ask. That's what I was just gonna ask. Can yes, you tell I, us? I'll never walk us through it. that day. My mom and I went over to the house and we went inside and couldn't find her. We went up. I ran up the stairs. There was nobody upstairs. And then I went downstairs and uh, into the basement. And there was like a cubby underneath the stairs. And that's where we had put her. And the cord was around her neck, a telephone cord. So it was a so robbery then? It was actually a dude that had lived there um, renting the basement. I guess uh, he didn't want to pay rent. I don't know what it was. Uh, he had serial killer books in the house. Back then, they didn't have DNA and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so how was it that, you know, you grew up hating the system because of how they handled it? In, like, how? In- well, because the, the arresting officers had told us after the trial, like, we know he did it. We're sorry. Uh, da, 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 da. Like, uh, we can't really go after anyone else because we know that this dude did it type thing. Okay. So it's like, because he had some hotshot lawyer. It's like, now, now this guy's like... So people that do stupid shit like get caught for weed or this or that are doing more time than her killer like it's us backwards this is yeah great. how long did he eventually end up getting just the time period from the trial that's it he didn't end up he got off he got found not guilty and he walked for it and he's yeah. he's still out there right now yeah unreal another failure of the system yeah and, and you're absolutely right there's people that got caught selling two freaking ounces of weed that are doing 15 years right now for it and it's a legal fucking substance now right and it just makes me sick it's just it's crazy yep the son of a bitch that murdered my best friend before marcus that murdered my best friend he had seven years and three of those years were including his trial so he really only had four maybe a little bit of five years going on for his manslaughter trial then it went down from murder one to murder two and then manslaughter. It's I just, got more time for fucking just okay. A dude wanting to have a one-on-one fight with me, ask wanting to fight me, calling me up wanting to fight. Way older than me. I'm like I think I was uh 18 at the time, 18 or 19, and this dude was like 28, and he wanted to fight me, and I went and showed up to fight dude, and you know we did our thing, and he ends up you know, ratting me out on this thing. And it's like, you wanted to fight me, dude. Yeah. You know, it's like people that does, it's just so fucked up, you know? Yep. And so I exactly. ended up doing a bunch of time for that. And it's just like, then I was such a hard ass back then. I didn't really uh, catch on. I was trying to make an example. So the whole time I did uh 20 months dead time, um, it counted for two for one back then. Remember the two yep. for one thing here? Yep. So I did. So that was a long time in uh, the Lindsay. And then I got out and I did, I found him and fucked him up again and obviously went right back. But um, that was a fucking stupid mistake. But I want to show people like, you can't just rat on someone and then think, oh, well, they're going to be scared that you're going to call the police on them again. So I was trying to make an example back then. Like, you can't just fucking rat on someone and think, oh, they're going to be scared to come and get you because you're going to rat on them again. Yeah. So uh, that, that was a dumb thing I did, but live and learn though no so if we take it back what was your youngest interaction for crime that got you in trouble with the police okay the youngest i remember my mom told me this had happened but i didn't actually get arrested but i had my first encounter when one time i was drinking those colt 45s i was about 13 and uh 
I got way too wasted off two of them hitting bongs and doing a bunch of stuff with my friends. And I was trying to walk home and I guess I had got all the way back to my area, but the houses all looked the same there in this co-op. So I walked into two doors down by accident and went right back to where my room would have been and went to sleep. And the lady knew I was from there, but just didn't know which one. So she ended mm-hmm. up calling the police and they come and got me, bring me the police station. And my mom said like I was spitting on them and cursing them up and down. And like, I like pissed somewhere or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy stuff. Right. And yeah. she told me this the next morning and I was just like, she had come got me. And so that was the first time, I guess they let me go the first time my mom had come and got me from the police station because I was so young. And, and uh, after that, how how often did the interactions with the police start coming after that out? it was a regular thing after that once they knew me it was like all the time just pulling over whoop, you know as soon as they see me come digging down my pockets all the time after the first time there was a thing called open custody phase one so i went to open custody phase one first which is not like a regular jail it's like just like a kind of like a group home with like alarms on the doors if you leave your door oh, yeah. at- and they sit outside it's like there is um staff there like guards but it's a very small thing it was um this place there's not many of them for these youth it's like they're because they're very small there was only like about 20 kids in there right yeah, it's more yeah. or less like a small group home for like kids that are under 14 i think or four, 15 and under or something like that till you can go to tayak once you're a certain age, then you can go to Tyak, right? So yeah. I ended up going in that place for like a month or two, uh, not very long at all, um, just for fighting and stuff like that. I was, I was a, a lot of my charges were assault, right? I have a lot of assault caused bodily harms, a lot of um, assault like with the weapons, and then the rest are assault, regular assaults, um, assault police. You know, I look two or three of those, and I was kind of like had a bad thing about lying to the cops about my name when they would come up and that bothered me and stuff. Cause I was on probation at one point when I was young and I never got off the probation for like 10 years because it never ended up finishing it every time I get in trouble and then I wouldn't finish it. And then I would end up going into custody. And then when I would come out, they would start the whole thing all over again. And it would just be a never ending, never stopping thing. So whenever I'm on probation, they use that as a thing where they can just come up and do whatever they want to. Yep. You know what I mean? So that was a never ending thing with me. So I was always scared of the cops, always worrying. Like every time they come up to me, I'm always thinking, oh, great, I'm going to go again. So I was just lie anyways about my name. That would make it worse. I'd end up with another extra charge for lying about my name. Then I'd be fighting with them, resisting, get another one. You know? Yeah. The endless cycle of it. And for our American listeners, uh, a co-op, a complex is probably much, is pretty much the equivalent to your projects just so you guys know. But yeah. So did you live in the same area all growing up? No, we moved around around? a lot. Yeah, we moved around a lot, man. Like uh, I was always the new guy, you know, so that was one thing I had to get used to was always being the new new kid in school, sometimes twice a year. And then I started getting kicked out of schools in grade eight. I went to a thing called um, ALAP, which is Adult Education Learning Program when you get kicked out of all the high schools and they don't want to take you no more. And then this thing was like, you go once a week. And as long as you're working full time, when I was 15, I started working full time. And then you show them your pay stub and you could get a career credit to try to save you to get one credit. This is what it was all about because you're already kicked out. So as long as you show them you're working full time, you would get this career credit, which I did get a career in civics credit for working full time. Because that's what I did when I was 15. I moved out on my own and I started working at this door place, uh, Dallas stores down in uh, Concord area and uh, spray painting doors, you know, and then at one point I was working at Pearson airport doing fireproofing, um, where it's like spraying the elevator shafts and going up on these zoom booms and skyjacks spraying it in uh, above the, these ducks, elevator, the ducks and stuff like that. It's freaky up there tying off and all that. Yeah. So yeah. That was my buddy's dad. He had a fireproofing company, my buddy, Mike's dad. And we went and did that 12 bucks an hour. And on after 40 hours, we would get double time. So at a young age, I was making good money, making that good money cash to go out and buy, you know, substances yes. and try to come up. The first place where I really got a taste of jail was Tyak, which was Toronto Youth Assessment Center. It's closed down now, but that place was uh gladiator school, bro. That place was bad. Man. 
Like take us through that. Viewers, I would say it's what they talk about those JIT camps, those yeah. Florida JIT camps. That's what I would compare it to. These places give you the chicken in the bone. They were making chicken bone shanks, just doing everything. Um, during the time I was there was during the SARS and it was um, 23 hour lockdown. So it was like, that was the first time I ever experienced and it's the bars there. Right. So this thing was like three phones or something and they're letting half the range out. They've been locked in for so long, all these young kids. And there was some of them there that are like 20 because of going to a trial or something for so long. Some of them haven't got transferred yet. So there was like, all the way from like 15 to like 20, 21, some of them. And I even seen a couple of dudes that I knew, uh, this huge black guy named uh, Renan that we used to call Walrus, right? That I went to high school with. This dude sees me in there and he was just like, you can't believe that we see each other in there because it's such a big, Toronto's a big place, you know? Yeah. To see somebody that you know, it's just like, and on that same range, and it's just like, it was just weird to run into somebody that you know it was a good it was cool that i ran into him because it's my buddy right and he yeah. actually like kind of looked up to me in a way and because i was always known as a fighter even though he was a lot bigger to them they didn't know that that like he kind of looked up to me but they didn't know that because he's so bigger they're looking up to him more than me right oh yeah <laughs> he looks yeah. up to me right so it's just like cool that he protected me in a way like that because he he knew that i was like that but he just, we didn't want to have to get into shit, you know, because it was only out a little bit at a time. You know what I mean? It's my first time in there. I wasn't really into the mix yet. Yeah. Yeah. My first time learning everything. And then the cell partner I had didn't even speak English. This guy, Smokey, he was um, just new and he had a really um, African, but like really can't speak English at all, basically, you know? Yeah. And so, but we just bonded through the weed. Um that's one thing he did know how to do is smoke weed. So we just smoke <laughs> weed. <laughs> that place, though, it was really freaky. Like, his dudes would fight over the shower and the phone. Like, if one guy would go in the shower before another dude and he gets pissed off about it or just because, like, the littlest things will make you crack in there when you've been so locked in for so long. And um, these young guys are going to court. They might be going to jail for the rest of their life and just got sentenced. You don't know what they're going through, right? Walking in for the first time when I first came in, this guy... Gee, he had all gold teeth and he called me over and he goes, Hey, come here, come here, come here. And I was like, Come up to the bars and he's in the cell and he's like, Hey, what's up, man? And he's like, What do you mean? What? And I told him, right? For assault, right? And he goes, Okay, okay. I'm in here for murder. And he goes, What is gold teeth? Like that, right? And I was like, <laughs> thinking in my head, Holy shit, yo, this is this fucking place, man. You know? Yep. It, what was the jail like? That uh, was it. Yeah. What was it like in there when it comes to gangs? Did did whites with hang out with whites, blacks with blacks, or was it intermixed? There wasn't many whites there, bro. No, it's all intermixed. Maybe two or three white dudes on the range, but one might be Russian, one might be Irish, you know, and uh, then there might be like the odd Asian dude and like a couple like Sri Lankan guys and. A couple of like maybe Iranians and Afghanistan dudes, stuff like that. Um, it's mostly that a big mixture, big yeah. mixture then. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't really normally see a lot of white dudes don't normally last in general pot. And it's sorry to say it's sad. You know, I don't like to say that about my own people like that, but a lot of these guys, they don't last. Yeah. They leave yeah. really, really quickly because they start getting extorted for their food or uh, someone gives them a defos and they don't do anything back. And then the next thing you know, they're getting everything taken from them. Yep. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, they're getting deaf us left and right. And they're just like, they can't take it and they don't fight. It's like, as soon as someone fucking smacks you, you should be fighting. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. They're not going to keep trying to do it because they'll go to somebody else. If the, the person that keeps letting them do it is who they're going to keep doing it to. Like they take the food, they're going to keep doing it. If you keep letting them take the food. Right. So yep. that's what I used to get in fights over quite often was being white, trying to get all my food. And when someone would take something of mine, I wasn't going to have it. Like they try to take my jug up or try to, because what they were famous for, the gangs was popping the trays and taking out all the goodies, like the sticky oh, ones yeah. or uh, muffins, whatever it was. So they would try to like pop the trays and hand out to all the new people. 
all this stuff with nothing in it. And I would just be like, nah, I'd just go right to the back. You know what I mean? Like, who am I fighting? Like, it's just, I'm getting my shit. Yeah. You know? And a lot of times, then I end up having to fight for my stuff. Can you even count how many times you got into a fight during that stretch? I tried to start talking about them on the channel. I got about to 10 on the playlist of the fight playlist. And I was just like, okay, I, I can't just talk about fights the whole time on my channel. Yeah. How many fights are, are you provoking? Like, are, are you not provoking any of them? Not, nothing, right? So every fight is just defending and and just holding your ground. Yeah, I wasn't trying to be a tough guy, man. I wasn't trying to be yeah. Mr., uh, you know, Mr. Tough Guy or anything like that. Not yeah. that big of a dude, you know what I mean? Uh, compared to these gorillas. These guys are all 6'4", and, like, you know, they're big yeah. dudes. And, I mean, there's a lot of them. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to cause problems, but some of them would look at me and just uh, come up, ask for a three-way or something, and I'd be like, no, I can't give it. I can't. I don't have three-way for myself even. You feel me? And they would take that as disrespect or something. Next thing yep. you know, they're grilling me down. You feel me? And next thing I know, I'm feeling this guy looking at me all day. And next thing you know, the cell is cracking. He walks in the cell behind me, closes the cell behind me type shit. And then next thing you know, it's like, I just find myself grabbing onto this guy and kneeing him in the face and stuff because he had these big, big, huge things, right? And so I just grabbed onto them and started kneeing him in the face like this because he locked himself in. He's trying to get out eventually because he's all fucked up. He's like, open it, open it, trying to get the gang to open it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Changed his mind real quick. <laughs> I remember that shit, man. That guy's name is DK. I have that story on the channel, and everybody, if you want to hear the whole thing, go check it out. But it's on the place. Absolutely. Playlist. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that one was wild. And you actually, you're a legend in Toronto. You, you've got a lot of respect throughout there, probably just because of how you've handled yourself both inside and out. You, you're very well-mannered. Right. I've never seen you disrespect anybody. And, you know, but I can tell, like, if somebody disrespects you, you're not going to just sit there and let them, you're not just going right. to take it. In the streets, like, the people I grew up with and stuff did have a lot of respect for me growing up and stuff like that. And I, I wasn't the type to brag or anything like that. But when I did the vlogs uh, going down to the projects, um, I have it on here as vlog. I didn't show the gang or nothing because it would have been rude, I thought. You know what I mean? Just going down there for so many years, not being there. So I was like, but they did a barbecue and everything, like, uh some of them didn't know who i was the younger ones right and um they went and got the older people and then they called and made calls and found out who i was and next thing you know they brought out beers and fucking all this and they were proud of me that i had the channel and i turned my life around and you know that's dope man that's yeah. dope yeah what made so, you start the channel up uh just wanting to turn my life around and then i seen uh lockdown 23 and one doing it shout out to death I was uh, seeing it and I related to him on because he's from the East Coast from Virginia and their jails are a lot like the Toronto jails where it's just all a mix where there's no structure to it. Like the West Coast is totally different. Like it's nothing yeah. like that. So but when his the stories he talked about was a lot like how it is here. So I related to it a lot. And I was like, holy fuck, people actually want to hear that stuff because I would always talk to people I knew about my stories about stuff like that. And a lot of people that knew me were used to me always talking about it and i was like holy shit that, i'm always talking about it anyways you know what i mean because when you're talking about your past it's like if that's all you did you're like that's all i did that was my life so i don't really have much to talk about but all the shit that i did to go there and then being in there yeah you know what i mean and then turning yeah. my life around so there wasn't much to talk so i was like you know i think if people want to hear about something like that i couldn't believe how how big dude was getting off of that and i was like i didn't believe that people want to hear about this type of thing yeah yeah that's for fucking you know? sure hey eh? it's a little bit of a shock actually <laughs> so it gave me you know i was like wow you know and i didn't see anybody up here doing it so i was like you know i'll do it yeah you know and then i got a, a interview on um stock a13 tv okay from florida he's a good dude uh shout out to josh he um gave me an interview and then after the interview the viewers were saying like oh get a channel do your do a channel and stuff he, he's not as big as death but he's got about twenty thousand, i think and so oh, yeah. you know that's still really big you know what i mean for a first interview and um then they they were like a lot of the viewers came over i think i ended up with like 30 subs the first day you know that all came over and they were all the day one people that are still sticking around like a year and a half later so nope 
Yeah, man, that's dope. Yeah, I know it's a lot harder to get traction up in Canada with having Canadian Joe War Stories for a while. That's why I changed it because when people seen the name Canada right away, automatically would think it was saw. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm trying to change. Uh, the U.S. people automatically seeing Canada and automatically assuming it's saw. Like a lot of them in New York there didn't even know that we had housing projects here. And then I did an interview with um, the new Matt Clark. He's the other guy in Toronto that does it. It's just it was just uh, one channel doing it was him. And when I started, when I was doing it, and then it was just me and him. And I was, and then I just meet you. So now there's three. We don't have yep. a lot up here doing it. You know. Nope. We're gonna fill that that need real fast though. Yep. Yep. <laughs> How long has the channel been going for? Mine. Yeah. Mine's been going for about a year and a half. Um, I started it. June 2020, uh, June 2022, I think. No, sorry, August. Sorry, my bad. August. Sorry. Okay. August, because okay. that's when I put the song out. That's right. I put um the song Orange Jumpers and Chains out first, and then like two days later. So I had the channel, but I only had this song on it that I had wrote in jail. And then two days later, I did that interview, and they said, "You have a channel." I said, "Well, I just have something I put a song on a couple of days ago. I guess I'll just use that channel." How long have you been out for now? I've been out since 2017. Good, good, good stretch then. Yeah, solid, you know, I've just, just turned my life around. I've been paying my rent every month. Like it's a, it's good. It's a good feeling when you're consistently paying your rent. You got a solid place, you know what I mean? Roof over your head, you know what I mean? Every time I ever went to custody, I lost everything in my whole apartment a couple of times. And it's not, that's not a good feeling, you know? Where yeah. you're living that life and you're getting all this stuff, but it's never going to last because it's all from that type of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're working hard for your shit. It's different. Yeah. And have you had any encounter with the police since 2017? No. 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 Congrats, bro. That's no, awesome. I got out of that. I'm done with crime, man. I'm a law abiding citizen now. Yeah. I, I mean, not no even that you've been. bother me. Yeah, not not even saying that you've you've been doing anything wrong, but like something like a traffic stop. I or, no, or I even moved away check. from my uh, area where I was known and stuff like that by them, you know, and just went to a totally different place. Like nice. I'm on the outskirts of the city now, you know what I mean, in the GTA yeah. and stuff like that. So, like right where like basically I can go through the intersection, be in Toronto in five minutes, but I'm on the outside of Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And and do you ever I'll... think about how you would maybe act like, say, if you did end up uh, in the future running in with the police for whatever reason, you're not doing anything wrong, but it, your next encounter, do you really put a lot of thought into how you're going to approach it due to your, your background? I haven't put much thought into that because um, I don't see any reason for them to bother me. No. You know, if you're law abiding, yeah. you don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, nothing you, to hide. You would hope, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would hope. Yeah, you would. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You would hope. So that's <laughs> yeah. just how I'm going about it. You know what I mean? When I, I honestly, to tell you the truth, I don't really go out in public very often because I just don't trust it. You know what I mean? I don't like to mm -hmm. have an encounter or try to have a chance to have one. You know what yep. I mean? Like you're saying by chance, even if I'm not doing nothing, if they came up and talked to me or something, I don't even want to even have a chance. So I go to the grocery stores you know, work in very, very few places I go. You know what I mean? That comes with change in your life. You got to yeah. leave that yeah. environment. I'm a, a lot of body, people. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people, they'll come out of jail and they'll go right back into the same community, the same shit that they were getting in. And right. they wonder why they're back in jail in three weeks. Exactly. You got to remove yourself from the situation and take your matters in your own hands, be responsible for yourself. And that's the only way it's going to change. Exactly. When they ask me, how do you, how do you do it? I think that, that's the number one thing is getting away from that area and, you know, staying away from the type of atmosphere that triggers you. And especially with the addictions and stuff like that leads into running around like crazy, trying to find it or whatever it is. If you're that type of person that keeps going to jail, 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 try to yep. be by yourself for a bit and just see how that works. You know what I mean? I seen a post that you made or, or it was a discussion that we we're having and I was typing in on your live and you had a bit of a background with addiction. So are, are you comfortable touching on that? Yeah, I'm comfortable touching on it. Okay. So when did you first start getting into drugs then? 
like actual drugs, not just smoking weed or doing mushrooms. Okay, so basically, started dabbling with the cocaine in um, grade eight. You know, selling when I started selling weed at uh, a young age, I think I was 13, 14. I had a pager, started selling weed in dime bags. And when we were selling weed in dime bags, we thought we were cool. You know, on weekends, we started snorting lines, you know, at parties and stuff like that. My friends were in high school when I was in grade eight. My best friends were both in grade 10. So I was always used to hanging with the high school crowd. And then they had friends that are a couple years older. You know what I mean? So it's like, and everyone thought I was a little older because me and my boys are all the same size. And it was just like always dating older women uh, that always came into it. And um, so it was the cocaine first and uh, drinking heavily. And then um, after that, I met the mother of my um, daughter. And uh, she showed me that her dad and his buddies were into the rock. So I started uh, making the cocaine to rock. Cause she said, oh, you can make so much more money, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, um, long story short, I would trade the rock and end up getting Oxycontins. So at 16, um, my father stopped getting Percocet and started getting Oxycontin because he was quadriplegic from our car accident that we were in. So I didn't know what it was at first because he would always, I would, he's passed now, so I'm just going to speak on it. But he would get me to run into these OGs that would buy the whole lot off right? Like a hundred and however many, uh, three a day or something, 120 sometimes he gets every month. So we would run them all in. It was a lot of money, you know, $40 a peel or whatever it was back then. It was like 25, but it went up and up and up. But I mean, um, so that I was running that in all the time from back when he would only get perks, you know, all the time doing that as a kid growing up, not knowing, just running in doing it because he's in wheelchair not wanting to get robbed or whatever, sending me in and I'm dealing with all these old older men and shit like that at a young age. So then eventually I was curious. So then when this one dude in a hotel room one time, he traded me one because normally through my dad's, I can't get one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm running them in for him and he's giving me a hundred bucks for doing it. So I'm not able to get any of these things. So um, eventually one dude traded me one of those pills and I time for my walk back from the hotel to the, coffee time i puked and that was it man after that i started taking them all the time did you snort it or did you pop it i started off snorting them no the first time i popped it but then when i started getting into them i started shaving not shaving them down with a razor and snorting them and um then eventually even got worse yeah yeah i understand that fully yeah and then it got into anything any kind of thing if i couldn't find those i would get into the the lotas into the morphine all of it and the hydromorphs it was got into bad but heroin too right got into the heroin really bad as well uh, got a really bad opioid addiction um for many many years and at at the height of it how much do you think you were spending per day uh at the height of it i'd say um i was doing at least 380s a day you know so almost 300 bucks like yeah well no 120 at least okay i was thinking dollars each so oh yeah what i was doing was sometimes i did time for this even which i can speak on because i did time for it and got like whatever it's over now i was writing prescriptions i had a script pad that i had stolen and i knew the doctor code and everything how to write these things perfectly because that's how addicted i was i teaching myself how to write these doctors things from the clinics so i would steal it when the guy's not looking out of the drawer or something when he goes to talk to another patient or whatever and then i ended up getting the whole pad one time and then i ended up just doing that and i was going around from you know using um people's that are on um welfare's drug cards and stuff like that right so i'd write them a script get them to go in cash it and give them half or then i would even go in and sometimes and use my own id and pay for it being that dumb knowing they're gonna eventually find out you know what i mean when i wouldn't have anyone i would get desperate and fucking end up going in myself and that's the one i ended up getting caught for right did my time all that shit damn so i would go in and the one place that i did a time for i was going there every month for like a year yeah like a regular patient and my name's on the bottle and everything so everything looks (laughs) legit you know what i mean yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so in my mind i'm starting to think it's legit because it's so long going on for like a year right 
you got comedy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, this is where I'm on. <laughs> But. No, that's true. Yeah, if you if you got your name on the fucking bottle, that's yours. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, and, and we laugh about it now, but I mean, it's a it dark a place. To get off of it. Yeah, know? it's and it's extremely dark, dark place that not yeah. many people can say that they've come back from it. Yeah. That's why I got this face tattoo. It says life because I had eight friends in the past year die from oh. fentanyl alone. Fentanyl is a fucking deadly thing. Deadly, deadly, deadly thing. Yeah. And, um, speaking of fentanyl, I'll even touch on that. Towards the end of my addiction, I came across a dude that had a box of those fentanyl patches that he would get prescribed or whatever. And he ended up trading me them for rock. And I ended up with a fucking thing of those patches. And I didn't even know what how severe they were or what they were. So my buddy showed me to cut the can in half and cook it on there on the bottom of a pop can. Right. He showed me how to do it. So then I would do, do it by myself. Sometimes I'd be in the freaking uh, bathroom or whatever. And then I would do it and I would literally pass right out from doing it. As soon as I would do it, I would pass out and I would wake up fucking four hours later or three hours later and be like, fuck, like I don't even remember doing it or nothing. And yeah. then I would do it again right after because I wouldn't remember the high or nothing. You know what I mean? And so yep. it was like, I was playing with death, bro. Oh, yeah. And that's so the Russian it, roulette. What it does, it's so it works too much where it just puts you right to sleep. So it's like you don't even get to enjoy your high. So that's why people keep doing it when they get back awake. Yeah. And, and then deadly. that's how they do it too much. And then they just don't wake up. When you were at the height of it, like, what was your rock bottom? Wanting to go to hotel rooms by myself and not even have women around or nothing. And just be like, okay, well, this is my girlfriend. Oxytocin is like my girlfriend, my bitch, or whatever. I'm going there to the hotel room with my girl and getting high. And then mm. I would be like making them all up. And then I remember even standing up sometimes in the mirror and doing it. And then next thing you know, like I would get up off the ground and be like, fuck, like what the fuck did I do? Like, and then it's like right there beside me on the ground or something like that. And I'm just like, how did you get off of it? Like, what was, how did you get through it? Well, I, I honestly, I ended up going to the methadone clinic and um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, knock on it because a lot of people don't believe that um, having prescription or a lot of people don't really know about it much. So if you're still using when you're doing it, it's never going to work. When I was using and I would try to do it sometimes if I was really, really sick or something, I just needed something and just go sign up quickly and then not go back and you get cut off if you don't go for a couple of days or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to work. But I mean, when I was really serious about wanting to not have to run around and see dealers or do this or that, or, uh, you know, shoot up or do any fucked up shit anymore. I went there and I, it took a long time to get my first carry because I had so much benzos in my system where value takes a long time to come out. And I was like, fuck, I'm clean. Like, I don't understand why this shit's not out of my system yet. And so eventually I ended up getting my first carry, um, when I still was downtown Toronto and then I ended up getting second one and then moved out of the city. You know, I moved up to Newmarket to get away from everybody and uh, which is in York region. And what I did was I ended up go keep doing that and got all my carries. And then I just stayed away from everybody and just kept going every week and getting all my carries and just stayed away from everyone. That's how you got to do it. And a lot of people don't realize that that you can't keep going into the same people. It's like hanging out with the same people that just want to bring you down. Yeah. Even if it's not their intention to bring you down, they think that they want the best for you, but being around that, it still does something to the mind. It gets you in those bad habits still. And, and you just can't right. progress. You can't change. Right. It just brings you right back down to exactly. where you started. There has to be a over. change because when your mind sees the same thing, it just automatically wants to go back into the same you Same know, routine pretend. of things. Yes, exactly. And then you think you're, you think it ends up making you when you're so high all the time, you think you're cool or something like this. You think, oh, I'm high, I'm cool. Or I don't know what it does to the mind. It just makes you not care about nothing. Yeah. You know, it makes you yeah. not even care about anything um, or anyone for that matter. Yep. I, I say it, you become a shell of who you used to be. Okay. It's an empty shell. Okay. Yep. yep. 
true. Because I've seen so many people that they you, they're just unrecognizable now yep. from how they were. You, yep. you just wouldn't even think that's the same loving person. It's just a complete empty shell when you look at them. It's it's sad. It's so it sad, sad seeing that it happen is. to your it's friends. Very sad, bro. Yeah. And um, you know, I've seen people just yeah, man, lose all them teeth and everything, and it's just it gets to be real bad, bro. And yep. I'm just glad that um I got out of it when I did, because I think going to jail really helped me in a way to, I think in the streets at the point where I was at, I would have probably ended up killing somebody or getting killed. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yep. I was at the point where I'm just not even caring, just robbing whoever, any dealer I can find. And people are even scared to fucking deal with me. Like, uh, is this guy going to rob me or not? Like, you yeah, know, I don't know. Ed. I don't know if I want to meet you or not. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you got the yeah. money? Are you sure? Like, you got a bat? Like, <laughs> yeah. Can you just leave it in the mailbox? <laughs> For real. Yeah, man. You know, got that bad. Thank God that um I went to jail and I ended up turning my life around and ended up cutting it out and just saying fuck it. You know what I mean? I want to have some sort of a life. I don't want to end up killing somebody or getting killed in the streets and you know, having people look at me like that, just, you know, another person, like so many of my friends have died. And it's like, almost like at one point I didn't think if life was real or not anymore. I'm like, is this real? Like I'm the one that did all this fuck shit and going to jail all the time and doing all these years in jail and running the streets, robbing dealers left and right and, and doing all this fucked up shit. And, you know, some of my homies that didn't even do nothing fucking ended up dying. Innocent ones. Like that fucking never even been in jail a day in their life, you know? Yep. And it's just like, fuck. And then some of them died of brain aneurysm. Some of them OD'd. Some of them got murdered. Some of them, my, one of my closest friends died of a seizure falling down the stairs because he was a bad, bad diabetic. He used to have seizures all the time. Like you said, a lot of your friends have passed from in, in the last recently. And I can relate to that because I've seen a lot of people go uh, in my lifetime. And yeah. Recently, one of my uncles just passed. My uncle Snake just passed, uh, like a month ago, uh, just recently. What, what happened there? Recent one. He he just passed of a heart attack. You know. Oh wow. I'm oh, sorry to hear that, bro. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, he was only uh in his fifties. You know, late fifties. Yeah. Um. So the my dad was the oldest at eight. So that's my father has passed, and now my his younger brother, my uncle Snake. So that's two out of the eight out of my grandparents' eight children now. So there's six left of my aunt wow. and uncles. Do you come from a big family? On my father's side, yeah. There, my grandparents got thirty something grandchildren. Oh, on my dad's <laughs> side, because eight children, they all had two or three kids each, right? So okay, and then the grandchildren all have a one or two children. You yeah. know. Yeah. So my grandfather started a big thing when he had all them kids <laughs> and yep. they're still alive my grandparents on that side so shout out to my grandparents on that side man they're in their 80s that's awesome and awesome. they're still going you know nice nice yeah. so what do you got going on now i see you have yourself a beautiful girlfriend that you moved from here from vegas she's living <laughs> yeah. here now with you <laughs> yeah. shout out to Ellison, for real you How know, did you two I, meet? My girl here from USA. That was my number one goal in the last uh, five months, basically, since I met her and started vibing with her. My number one goal was to get her out of the situation she was in and get her here with me. Wife that up. Yeah. yeah. So that now that that goal is complete, I uh, started a second channel, like a spinoff channel for people that want to know about you know, just the, the stress of everything we had to go through waiting four and a half months to get a passport. You know, when she got that passport in her hand, I booked her a flight for the next day, uh, literally the next day, a nonstop flight. We got lucky and got one for the next day um, on Flair Airline. Shout out to Flair oh, yeah. Airline, you know, and it was nice. good. Um, but they treat her like crap at Pearson. They treat her like a criminal. She's not a criminal. She's law abiding, no record. Uh, license in Arizona and Vegas, you know, uh, had a passport. They literally like took so long after she landed. When I seen it said landed, it was like an hour of them just not treating her good. Just like just grilling. Yeah. Yeah. 
dude. It wasn't a very welcoming no. experience. Yeah. <laughs> no. Welcome and, to Canada. And we're thinking it's going to be like getting off the plane, running up, giving each other hug and whatever. It's like she's got to go through all this hell before she could get out this sliding door thing where you're waiting, where everybody's waiting for their loved ones and whatever. And so yeah. she comes out finally. And I, we got a little bit on film a little bit and stuff like that one day we might make a vlog or something but yeah and then i finally got a hugger and stuff for the first time in person and it was awesome you know? <laughs> that's great uh, yeah online for four and a half months we got to a point where we were literally uh sleeping on camera at one point like towards the end there for like the last two months of our relationship when yeah. she got here we were sleeping on camera and shit like that oh yeah just true love right off the hop yeah i mean <laughs> yeah <you know? laughs> It was. That's awesome. And, uh, we had the same goals and stuff like that, you know. And when I seen her IG, I was like, damn, this girl's creative and she's a good editor. You know, this is the type of girl I need to drive me and, you know, uh, motivate me. You know what yep. I'm saying? Um, unfortunately, we both came out of like long relationships. I was with my ex 10 years. She was with her ex 20. And um, it was just, it was like with my ex, she wasn't like a motivator. She was a procrastinator, bro not wanting to help with the channel that's what really was like pushed me away i was already sleeping in the living room for the longest time not sleeping in the bedroom and that was the same thing with her so mm. it was like she had her own bedroom even for years before i was even with her they were already like that so it wasn't when i found all that out and the way he treated her and shit it was just like fuck it i don't care i'm not feeling bad about this i'm not wrecking a, this this is already over like it was already over you know what I yeah. mean? It wasn't like I yeah. was coming in wrecking some happy home or something like that. Yeah. I just wanted everyone to know that. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was like it was like that they were roommates, if anything. It wasn't a right. relationship no more. Right. They were just basically right. just roommates. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So is your girls doing editing on your videos and your content? Some of it, yep. Yeah. Yep. She helps. Yep. So would you say that your your uh your addiction now is is content for YouTube? Yeah. That's yeah. the way yeah. stuff, you know, I like talking to the viewers. Uh, yeah, I love it. That's awesome, man. Like passion, just a huge change in your life from where you were to where you are now. And I mean, I, I just even thinking of how many people might take a different, uh, a different path that might not be so bad because maybe they got a little heads up from something that you're talking about on your channel. Right. Um, that's one thing. Like at the beginning, I didn't know if I would keep doing it. And then I would get little comments here and there, you know, no matter how many trolls comments I got at the beginning that uh, at first I was like, not know how to handle that. But yeah, uh, eventually I learned how to handle it. And then with the nice comments that come in once in a while, someone will say something like, um, oh, dude, I was going to go do this or that. And I didn't do it because of this that you said or this about your channel or someone says that they're that uh it's their favorite channel or something like that that really brings you up you know what i mean yeah. and it makes you want to keep doing it it makes you feel like okay i'm doing this for a reason or a young dude says something like uh you know i was literally gonna go do a lick and like i thought twice about it because yeah. of what i've heard about it you know what i mean yeah and it's deadly in there i don't want to go in there and that's why I'm trying to tell people I don't try to glorify violence or try to, uh, you know, make it seem cool or make jail seem cool or anything like that. I'm just telling them the real way how it is in there. You yes. know, I want them to know that it's bad. It's not some fun thing. You know, that's right. That now that's the motivation that that sort of evolved in with this channel. Like when we first started, it was just me and Mark just shooting the shit, just talking, just bullshitting about things, talking yeah. about us growing up and stuff like that. But it sort of evolved over time into how it is now that we have guests on and sort of has like a motivation towards the youth, like people that grew up similar to us that had environments that weren't positive, that didn't have like the best role models that we would look back at now and saying, Oh, those were look, those guys were looking out for us. It wasn't like that. Right. So the kids that are coming through that now, I want them to be able to see stories from, from guys all like us and realize that, Hey, it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe if I just, think twice before doing this i won't end up in there or i can do something positive with my life exactly. that's the motivation I with dudes like that back then because uh back then guys that are our age they when i was a teenager they used to try to act big and tough and cool and be like snatch snatch a younger dude's chain or something mm -hmm. because they're so much tougher and it's like 
you know, I look back at that stuff now and think those dudes weren't tough. Like those guys, of course they could take the younger dudes chain. Yeah. 20 years younger. Like think about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the only people that they would prey on is just the little guys. <laughs> right. The kids. You know, yep. The little homie or whatever. Right. It's like, how easy is it to steal the little guy's chain or whatever? Like me in jail, I always fought dudes bigger than me or my size. Like I was never the type to go and take a younger or smaller guy's jug up or some shit like that. You know, never. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not gonna the, say the, I never took no big dude shit, but <laughs> <laughs> what are That's your awesome. goals for your channels? For like, say in the next five years, where do you want your channel to be? I want to go all the way, bro. Just nice. Yeah, just keep putting in the content, and over time, it, it's just watch what happens. First step, I wanted to get monetized and get to that thousand, you know, and then after that, I'm just gonna keep going, you know, I'm not gonna stop. It's going to motivate me even more. Yeah. Yep. That's absolutely right. And I, I'm, it's, it's difficult with first interviews like this. So we can only touch on so many things at once without being able to dive into everything, but exactly. I want to have you on again and we can do those dives into specific right. topics so and just hammer eight, out those eight different facilities that I've been in. So there's a lot, a lot, of, a lot there. And for our viewers right now, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram. They can find me on YouTube at Talking Time Into Six. And if they really want to look into it more and want to follow the more than just the jail channel, they got the couple channel there. It's called Enly Endlessly uh, with the shots. You know, everything's uh, if you get to the one channel though, usually you can find everything from there. I usually list everything in my descriptions and stuff. One thing that we always ask our Hopefully guests. Not a positive message for the youth. We always ask our guests for a positive message for the youth that could be watching this. What would you tell somebody that was growing up similar to how you did and or going through something similar that you did? What, what's some information or a bit of game that you could toss to them? I would tell them that it's not always about being cool. You know, don't get into the hard drugs, stay away from it. You know what I mean? That'll ruin your life. And, um, you know, it's not always about being cool, man. Just do your own thing and uh, be a leader. You know what I mean? Don't be so yeah. much of a follower all the time. It's okay to be unique. Yeah, exactly. It's okay to stand out and do your own thing. You don't got to yeah. fall in line with the sheep. Right. Right on. That's right. To do crime, like the money you're going to make, it's just going to get taken away eventually. And it's all going to be a waste of time. So to start off at a, a normal thing whether it's a normal job or if you want to pick up a mic or pick up a camera or whatever you want to do you can do it just believe in yourself you know absolutely that's the message right there buddy anybody you want to give a shout out to before we close her up uh shout out to my girl endlessly shout out endlessly check her out on uh, ig on endlessly 888 i'll put her link in here too then bro all right brother Awesome. Thank you so much, Eddie. Talking time in the streets, everybody. For real, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming through tonight, bro. Much respect. Broken Home Podcast, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the likes. Check out Talking Time in the Six. We're out.